Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're off. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Uh, for everyone out there, first and foremost, uh, on behalf of myself, Matt, you can obviously uh, you know mention it, but I just want to say I hope everyone out there is doing okay. Um, certainly, we're dealing with some historical tough times, and uh, my heart goes out to everyone affected. And so uh, hopefully everyone out there is doing okay. Matt, how are you doing today, buddy? I mean, it's always like complicated to answer. I, I you know, it's like, I guess good, all things considered. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think like you've expressed, you know, there's just some weight on my heart thinking of all these different people either facing a virus or worried about their job or, you know, that sort of thing. So it's just, um, it's tough, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think like all this stuff, you gotta, you gotta try and stay optimistic and, um, so I'm going to do that. And I know Justin, you're a, you're a pretty motivational guy. So I try and listen to you and get, get amped up myself. Oh, well, you know, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I just try to make the best of it. And sometimes I can be uh, quoted as poly positive, but certainly I think perspective right now, uh, although it doesn't pay the bills, um, it can, it can sort of help, uh, change the way we react and then act towards different situations. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, right now I think it's important just to offer, um, you know, offer help and, and be resourceful for not only friends, family, but also clients and people within the industry. Um, just helping, you know, whether if someone needs something and you don't necessarily have it on hand to, to be able to point people in the right direction um, and just kind of unite as an industry um, and, you know, for the most, <laughs> an industry and, and as a world, because everyone's, uh, you know, facing some similar challenges just on different levels. but. Uh, Nonetheless, I think it was important to address that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm at home here in in the uh, Casa de Gautier with uh, kids running around, and so uh, obviously everyone's you know been in that position. Uh, how's things working from home, Matt? Have, uh, has it been challenging, or are you adapting quite nicely? Uh, I I have good moments and bad moments. I would say I work longer hours but get less done. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit scattered. Like, oh, it's quiet now. I can do something, but. Um, Thankfully, my son, he goes to his grandma's house during the day. They live just down the street, so um, he can go tear their house up. And then um, you may be able to hear the house going up immediately next door or perhaps the jackhammering across the street as they tear out some concrete. Right. Um, all part of the lovely soundtrack that is, um, you know, work from home guidelines where we try and beat this COVID-19 nightmare. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the listeners can can put up with that kind of noise. Maybe it adds a little better background. And I will add, um, I think my voice sounds a little deeper. I think I'm going to have to shave more often if if I keep sounding like that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think you have a filter on there to make yourself feel good. But either way, I, I, I'm feeling that the, the deep, uh, passionate sort of... Uh, you know, sway of, of the way your voice sounds over the internet world here. So I don't know. I kind of like it. We'll, we'll actually have to ask the listeners. We'll let the market decide. What do you think? 
We will. I don't know. I don't know if I'll know how to replicate this, but um, <laughs> if, if people really like it, I, I I'll stick with it. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a special surprise uh, every once in a while. We'll have to do this remotely. But uh, with that being said, Matt, I think it's important. And then within you know, just talking to a lot of folks, I think maintaining a similar or as similar routine, um, you know, throughout the course of the day is important. And so you know, we talked, and you know, we've been fortunate to have a few episodes in the pipeline, but. Uh, you know, we kind of got together and said, you know what, let's let's keep this thing going. Um, let's keep our minds spinning and, and you know, continue to deliver information uh, to the flow line audience. And hopefully, uh, you know, if we pick up some listeners throughout the way, then good. And if not, we certainly appreciate everyone that's been listening and supporting the show. Uh, you can always hit us up at the flow line podcast at AESfluids.com. Uh, leave a review uh, would certainly be appreciated. Um, but Matt, let's go ahead and kick this thing off. We bounced around some ideas, and what do you? What would you like to discuss today, buddy? I thought maybe we just go through some fundamentals, and and I think it's you know during times like this, sometimes you know we, we can get technical on mud, and we'll keep doing that too. But uh, just going through some of the fundamentals, you know, the stuff that uh, the the stuff that you want to stay sharp on, particularly when you know, maybe your rig got laid down and, and you're waiting, hoping for a next job, or maybe, uh, you're working on a rig and you're like, I really want to stay on my game. Um, or if you're a drilling engineer and, and just kind of want to hear a few of the basics or the fundamentals. Um, so we were just going to talk about, I guess we'd say is most of those nightmare algebra equations you had to do in mud school. Um, we won't verbally take you through mathematical equations because, uh, that's boring. Um, but hopefully it will be interesting to kind of talk about the significance of those things. Right. So yeah, basically just the, the engineering stuff that, uh, mud engineers typically, you know, either have as a, a tool on Excel or, uh, a lot of folks out there that, uh, like pen and paper, uh, and an old school calculator can certainly do that, but just kind of going through the basic engineering calculations. And like Matt said, not the actual formulas themselves, but just going through the theory behind them and why certain calculations are important in our day-to-day jobs. So, uh, Matt, the first one that comes to mind, I mean, and again, this is something as a mud engineer, I remember calculating multiple times a day is just, you know, the overall, you know, different volumes and capacity. Uh, so why don't you walk us through, you know, how would you define volume and capacity, uh, from a drilling fluid engineer perspective? So volumes, uh, well, it, it, it probably is just as it sounds, you know, volume, how much can something hold capacity, um, so there, you know, in, in a lot of your pipe tables, when we talk about capacity, we can talk about, you know, for example, with pipe, how much volume per foot, uh, that the, um, that the idea of the pipe would, would hold, mm-hmm. um, if you're trying to measure volume in a, you know, in a drill string, the other thing that's helpful, of course, is actually the volumetric displacement per, per foot of the pipe. So if you're calculating out how much metal is in your string, you can calculate your whole volume, take the difference. And you have an idea of how much mud's down. But, um, you know, all of this comes back to that classic, you know, volume accounting tab on the mud report where you're scratching your head trying to find out where everything went or hoping it's all there. Uh, but it starts with uh, a whole lot of math and a little bit of uh, a little, well, a lot of detail. But those tally books get all filled out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and one of the things, too, that's important is is understanding your 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 tank volumes. Um, we're constantly looking at volumes. Uh, you know, as you're drilling, your tank volumes getting low, and so a lot of that is to you know calculating hole volumes to make sure okay how much volume do I need by the end of the well. 
uh, when we go to cement, when we go to do our displacement, how much volume is going to be transferred back. Uh, so, so volume, you know, is certainly something that that is calculated on a regular basis. Um, and then, too, you know, with regards to volume accounting, when you're dr- when you're dealing with oil based or, you know, any I mean, any fluid, but uh, specifically with oil based or synthetic based drilling fluids, calculating, um, you know, your losses, um, you know, calculating the amount of volume it's going to take for, you know, with dilution, uh, those are obviously ones that are extremely important as well. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and, and specifically too, when you're talking about, uh, different capacities, um, you know, with regards to like, I think you mentioned spotting fluids a lot of times if they say, Hey, you know, we need to spot something that covers a uh, thousand feet of annulus. Well, then you need to then calculate what that barrel equivalent is. So when you go ahead and spot it, you know, how many strokes it's going to take on your pumps. Uh, so those are those are certainly important aspects to when calculating just overall volumes. It's not necessarily just tank volumes, but it's you know uh, of a certain volume taking up a certain amount of space is is important as well. Yeah, and it's important to remember. Uh, you know, one of the things I that always got to me and Grant, I was dealing with some expensive completion fluids back in the day, but um, you know, dead volumes even. Uh, how much mud can I actually get out of this pit? Um, you know, am I going to need a, you know, a, a Wilden pump or something to, to move the rest of it, or am I going to have to dump fluid on top and how much volume do I lose, especially in some of the, you know, some of the newer pit systems with round bottom tanks, you may be able to get it all. Uh, and then mm-hmm. with some of these older ones, you might have a foot or, or more of fluid on the bottom. And, um, especially, you know, I love the, well, love sarcastically, um, you know, old, old round frack tanks. <laughs> where, you know, you take back mud or you're, you're trying to track things and, uh, you know, there's no proper strapping on the top. Like, uh, you know, so you, you're using a tape measure. You've got to use that stupid equation about, uh, you know, a, a round tank on its side. Um, and, then, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it just, it, it, just to name a few things. And then a lot of those have, I don't know, probably 14 to 16 inches of just dead space that you can't really suck out of and it just gets accumulated with more and more bayrite. And let's say you're transferring in and out a lot. Uh, you sort of find out fairly quickly that, um, you don't know if that's actually like, what do I report as the fluid? Um, so it gets a little tricky, but it's understanding the capacity, understanding those volumes, trying to be as, as accurate as possible. Um, so you know, that stuff gets tricky. And then on the displacement side, just fluid, how fast can I transfer fluid? You know, if you're trying to displace something on the fly, how fast can I clear out this pit before fluid comes back? Um, you know, what is, what is the layout? Uh, you know, there's, there's times where we talk about, oh yeah, we can do this, but actually I need a four inch, you know, a four inch line to move it. Mm -hmm. Um, so volume and capacity are, are fairly important. Um, and then there's all those elements that go with it as far as what I'm trying to do. But at the end of the day, you know, a barrel mud lost is, is cost and we want to make sure we're as accurate as possible, especially when we're, you know, picking up and returning, uh, and hopefully not gaining mud, uh, or gaining volume we don't expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, there's a lot to think about in that and, and a lot of different calculations for that matter. Most certainly. And for all the engineers out there, um, you know, the, if you're sort of relatively new to the space, I would encourage you to speak to a lot of your seasoned vets. Uh, a lot of folks, including myself, have created uh, Excel 
uh, calculators to to do all of this. So you know when you haven't slept for two days and you're trying to figure out certain volumes, uh, use technology to help you out. And you know if you have a few little inputs that you can put in, it'll automatically calculate that for you. Uh, that's very helpful. There's a lot of free resources out there too, but uh, a lot of this stuff, if you can avoid having to punch it into a calculator, if you can reduce the chance of error with a lot of these uh, numbers, because a lot of times a company man or you know company representative will call you and say, "Hey, oh, what's how much volume for X?" and 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 you need to be able to punch that out pretty quickly. So, uh, you know, if you're, you know, even if, if like I said, if you if you're at the house and maybe you've got a longer. Uh, longer you know more days off right now than typically you know maybe start gathering up some some of these things and and organizing them so when you get back out to the rig you've got an external hard drive with all this stuff uh easily accessible because i think you know certainly with uh being more efficient and and being able to relay things to uh you know to the rig to the derrick hand drill or whatever that that just always increases the value that you have on the rig yeah and i will qualify that because a lot of these things you definitely it's very helpful to have a proven spreadsheet, something to check your numbers. But if you're new at this, once you memorize those formulas, you'll never forget them. And it's super helpful, especially with volumes, um, especially whole volume, some of those equations, hydrostatic, obviously, um, to be able to quickly pencil and paper or kind of think through and, and guesstimate, uh, you know, those sort of things. Um, don't go to the spreadsheet right away if you're new at it. But once you're like, I've done this equation 10 million times, I just want to make sure I get it right. Um, or I want to, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself by getting it wrong. Check your work. Um, but don't take those formulas for granted. It's kind of like the, you get, get those fundamentals down before you, uh, you know, you, you overlook the basics. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Matt. Uh, so, so moving on, I think we touched on volume and capacity there quite a bit. So let's let's move on to the, uh, what do you say, mud circulating times and bottom up times. Uh, I think that's something that, again, as a as a mud engineer, uh, certainly something we deal with on a day to day basis. Uh, you know, when it comes to circulating times, um, you know, these are important to calculate things like treatment schedules. Uh, you know, if you're in a well control situation. Uh, drill cutting, slag, you know, just there's a, there's a bunch of different ones in there, Matt. Why else would mud circulating times and bottom up times be important? I mean, you've, you've covered a lot of them there, but, but think about it, you know, if, when you're coming back on a trip and you circulate bottoms up, um, you know, how long does it take? And normally you're sitting at the pits. Do I get a, you know, do I get a bit of a big avalanche or something? Uh, did I get a really big heavy spot that maybe is an indicator of sag or, uh, something along those lines, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely even when we get to TD, those cleanup cycles, uh, when the company man says, Hey, we're circulating five bottoms up and then we're coming out of the hole. Uh, okay. How much volume is that? You know, you can go talk to the driller and, and figure out, we can track all that. Right. Uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, you mentioned well control, but I think even gas, you know, when we've taken a little bit of gas on bottoms up, but it, it's just because the well has been static for a while and we started circulating. Um, say, okay, we saw it. That was bottoms up. Um, we'll, we'll keep moving ahead or, you know, Hey, we, we probably need to think about waiting up um, right? because this is actually flowing while we're circulating. Yeah, no, good point. Good point. Uh, something else that kind of popped into my head here too, is, is when you're talking about mud circulating times, often before we come out of the hole to run casing, uh, we'll pump a, uh, like a caliper sweep, if you will. And, and understanding the amount of, you know, the amount of strokes it takes to come back to surface, you can somewhat 
mathematically guesstimate if if I don't know if that's the right term, but kind of figure out what your what your average washout is. And um, you know, back in the day, I don't know about now, but a lot of times they would use that number uh for excess cement. But but either way, it's 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 kind of nice to know uh, you know, at that time what the washout looks like um to see if your hole is a little bit bigger than than what it theoretically should be. And that all comes back to circulating times and knowing the amount of strokes. And by that, I mean pump strokes, because every stroke on a pump is a certain amount of volume. So, you know, if you do the math, you can essentially figure out how many strokes of the pump it's going to take to get one full circulation around. And, you know, depending on the the excess amount of strokes, you can then convert that into a volume equivalent and figure out a percent of volume that's bigger of your hole. Am I explaining that right, Matt? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. And I, I think okay. it's important, you know, you say it, it's like a rough guess and it's, it's okay. If you have a little bit of washout, it's, you know, it gives you a good idea. If you have a ton, it's a great indicator because normally that stuff will hang up in a huge cavernous area or it'll do so where you'll be, you'll just be like, my bottom's up time. And when I saw this, the sweet material come back, do not match at all. Um, and it sort of gives you a little bit of a heads up that, okay, this, we, we, we probably need a fair amount of excess cement. Right. Um, but, you know, and, and even on the washout where, you know, if the numbers are pretty close, there's probably a good chance that you don't have much washout. It, it, it gives you a bit of a clue, but it's just, all right, after, you know, after this many strokes of, of you know, pumping fluid, I should see it. And if it takes a while, how much later, how much more volume did I have to pump to get there? Um, you know, we, we hopefully know something. Um, and similarly, if you're pumping a weighted sweep or, um, you know, trying to pump a sweep to, to clear the hole of something. It's the same deal. What, you know, let's get near the shakers before bottoms up, um, and make sure if there's a big avalanche of cuttings, we, we know about it because we're there to see it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So those again, mud circulating times, bottoms up, uh, those can also be put into a spreadsheet. A lot of mud reports you'll actually see, uh, I know ours actually, it's real nice every time, uh, you know, mud engineers generate a report. Uh, throughout, you know, through all the inputs that are uh, input into the mud program itself or to the well file, you can see. So um, there's certainly ways of, of calculating this stuff relatively quickly. And uh, again, if you're relatively new out there, uh, having a bottoms up schedule uh, to post in the doghouse is always something useful because the last thing you need is someone calling you when you're trying to take your two hour nap for the day uh, to ask you uh, what bottoms up, you know, calculate bottoms up. And if you can have a pre made sheet, which is dependent on, you know, the actual, uh, you know, the, you know, the whole size and everything that you're drilling at that time, that that's certainly useful. And there's a lot of people out there who have templates for that, but, uh, you know, again, you use those tools to help you so you can, uh, you know, just be a little bit more efficient and, and have things in your pocket if people ask for them. Uh, Matt, anything else in the mud circulating time? Uh, well, I, you'd mentioned actually in, in our prep, uh, tight spots and, Oh, yes. um, how bottoms up is is useful for that um and so why don't you have to elaborate on that yeah okay so a good point and uh so you know you're going in the hole and you may hit a ledge well uh a lot of times if they can't get through it what typically will happen is they'll throw some weight on them and if it looks like the drill string's taking weight right away they'll start they'll kick on the pumps they'll either wash through it or they'll ream through it but oftentimes it's important to know okay from the time we kick the pumps on to the time it comes back to surface because if you're going through a spot that you know maybe unconsolidated maybe a little bit unstable uh you know you want to you want to know what bottoms up looks like once you reach that tight spot and kick the pumps on which 
is a good indicator of how your wellbore is acting. Uh, so that's that to me uh, is very important, and it's something that if you can you can adjust your fluid, your density, you can sit there and clean it up. I mean, it, depending on, on the whole, the whole is going to dictate what the issue is. But if you know what to expect at what time, uh, getting through that spot, uh, it just allows you to plan your business and hopefully come up with some corrective actions to avoid having further issues down the line. I thought that was a good point. So I want to make sure we included it. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that, Matt. Um, so yeah. So other than that, I mean, I really can't think of anything. Uh, do you want to move on to annular velocity? Absolutely. Cool. Um, you know, how, how fast is the fluid moving in this annulus? And, you know, I, I think this one people overlook, let's say you've got a, uh, a telescoping casing string, for example, and I, I've encountered this a few times where someone says, look, you know, we're drilling an eight and a half inch hole. We're pumping at 600 GPM. There's no way we're not cleaning them. And it's like, right. But the casing above you, you know, you had nine and five eighths inch casing above you that, you know, telescoped out to, uh, 13 and three eights or, you know, even bigger. I've seen where you have this huge annulus up top and granted it's vertical hole or hopefully near vertical at that point. But, um, it's a lot harder to clean at much lower rates. And so you're, you're, you know, you're piling up back there. Um, and so when you think about annular velocity, you have to account for everything. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually, I, I think we, uh, when we had uh, Steven Seagrest on, we talked about this cause uh, up in the Northeast where, uh, where he was drilling those long laterals, um, they have a telescoping drill string. So up in the larger annulus, they actually use larger pipes so that they can get a higher annular velocity because they have a smaller annulus. up. That's um, right. No, I remember him mentioning that. And then for those of you, maybe your recent listeners, I encourage you to go back and listen to the one with Steven Seagrass. I don't remember which, what, what number it is, but, uh, it was, it was great to hear the drilling engineer's perspective on drilling those extended reach uh, laterals up in the Northeast. I think I forget the number, but they're drilling 20 and 30,000 foot laterals up there, which is just, uh, you know, an, an engineering masterpiece. Uh, but anyway, that's what Matt's referring to uh, when we mentioned Matt, uh, Steven Seagrest on there, but yeah, and your lower velocity. And that was certainly something that he keyed in on. And, you know, especially that, I mean, hole cleaning, but uh, it, it, uh, annular velocity without doing a bunch of hydraulic modeling is, is a quick check, um, you know, and it's something that you can kind of key in on. And, and if you notice something, uh, if, if that value, which is typically feet per minute, um, if something, if it seems lower than, you know, what the rule of thumb is, and there's a couple out there, but but essentially, if it's 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 below what you're hoping for, then you can kind of look at different things, or at least bring it to people's attention uh, for you know for planning, or maybe you know recommendations can come up based off based off of that. But uh, you know, for the and it's an easy calculation because it's it's pump output dependent, hole size dependent, and pipe OD. So it really it takes about two seconds to calculate, um, and it, and it's just a quick check to say how fast is my fluid moving okay, I know I'm good. And, and again, in the lateral, you know, it's, it's going to be closer to the BHA. It's going to be a lot higher, but where it's important is, you know, the lateral. And then even like Mayo Matt mentioned, you've got quite a bigger annulus between your casing and your drill string and making sure that, you know, the, the cuttings are getting, you know, moved along at a decent rate, uh, is, is, I mean, that's the name of the game, making sure we're cleaning the hole. So that I, I felt like that was, you know, important to, to mention. And, Again, easy calculation. Build a build a little calculation, or you can punch it in. It's it's not very difficult. To, so 
but yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it from that perspective, Matt. What uh, what other basic engineering things that we as mud engineers focus in on? Well, I think you know tying into annular velocity. I mean, you know, because you'd immediately have the argument, we'll just pump as hard as you possibly can, and you know, we know yeah. the formation can't take that. So, you know, understanding what is our equivalent mud weight. Uh, so, you know, what is the pressure I'm actually applying to the formation, along with the you know static pressure versus dynamic pressure. Um, you know, that, that can involve a lot of different things in as much as, uh, you know, we're drilling super fast, uh, and we go on losses and then we stop drilling and the losses stop. Well, um, your ECD is probably pretty high and that's, what's inducing the losses possibly. Um, you know, in the same way I have hole collapse when I stop circulating, uh, it could be that your ECD is the mud weight you need to be when you're going to trip out of the hole because that's the uh, equivalent pressure that's supporting that formation. Right. Um, they're a bit more complicated calculations, but I think it's just important to be aware of uh, in those dynamic scenarios, uh, being able to compare it to those, you know, static situations saying, wow, there's a big difference here. That's, that's noteworthy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, and it's, again, these are, I mean, in mud school, I'm, at, I'm sure you did too, Matt, was calculating the ECD by hand. That can be pretty tedious, um, but, but certainly understanding the math behind it uh, and the inputs that are going into that are, are very important. And, um, again, like we kind of mentioned, you know, doing these things by hand first and foremost to really understand the math, uh, can only make you a stronger engineer, but, but they're, they're very, they're very important. And these are, you know, the ECD, uh, is something that especially drilling engineers look at regularly and, and us as mud engineers should as well. But, um, you know, there's with ECD comes pump pressure, which, you know, affects, uh, you know, how much you can pump, pump rates, hole cleaning. So this all ties together and, and really having a, a good fundamental understanding of what these mean and, and the math that goes into it. Uh, again, just make you a, a more valuable drilling fluids engineer. And then the reason I mentioned that is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Times are tough and, and you want to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward and understanding not only how to treat mud, but but understanding a little bit more the engineering side behind it. So th those two are, are are certainly very important, Matt. And I don't have really too much to add with regards to you know why or, or what they mean. You you've hit it pretty hard, and we're certainly not going into the math because I think that's could be a topic for another day. But uh, but again, just just something that that is certainly important. Sure, and you know on that spreadsheet, if you are calculating ECD. Um, you know, that's assuming a clean hole. So if you start seeing, you know, standpipe pressures that are considerably more, uh, it gives you an idea of, okay, well, maybe that's a cutting steel. Uh, maybe we need to run hydraulics, which we just recently talked about and, uh, make sure I'm getting good hole cleaning. Uh, it, it helps you ask questions. So even though it's not, it may, it may be that spreadsheet, it might not be the most sophisticated equation. Um, it gets you in the ballpark to ask other questions. And that's why, um, you know, having that math nearby is never a bad thing. Right. Good point. Matt, one other uh, sort of when it comes to equivalent mud weight and ECD, some you probably mentioned it. And if you did, I maybe was uh, zoned out for a sec was just the, the very basic hydrostatic pressure. Uh, the old famous, you know, mud weight TVD 0 0.052. Uh, that, that's another basic one that I'll never forget. Um, Matt, how would you describe yeah. that? I mean, it's pretty simple, but, but, you know, can you mention, you know, why maybe that's something that's important that we need to focus on or at least under have a good understanding of? I mean, it, it's, it's just, I, I mean, it's probably one of the most important, if not the most important equation you're going to want to have is 
basically what is the equivalent pressure I'm applying uh, to the formation? And, uh, you know, this can, you know, what is the mud weight I need if I have to shut in and I have pressure on the backside? Yep. You know, how much, and, and not only that, how, how much do I need to kill the well? How much do I need to continue drilling and make sure I have what's called a kick tolerance? So, you know, it may be 300 PSI more than what you actually need. Um, and granted, the operators make that call. We, we're mud engineers. We are not making mud weight recommendations to that effect. Sure. But a lot of times the company man is going to come out and say, hey, I want you to check my math uh, or, you know, something along those lines. And uh, so I think it's important to really understand those numbers, you know, out, out in, you know, out in West Texas where people are taking flows all the time, you know, mud caps are a way of life. Yeah, and so understanding what, how heavy, and how big does my mud cap need to be to stop this water flow? Um, so there's just it's it's so important under so many different scenarios of calculating equivalent pressure. What is the mud weight that I need? Um, what is the mud weight that's being seen at that you know at that TBD? Um, I mean, it's kind of one of those I can't emphasize it enough, other than to say. You really, really need to know this one and know it well and be very comfortable. Yeah. And in, in understanding the, the very basic algebra, because you can solve for X, which means any one of those. So if you have any two of those numbers, uh, which you already have the one, which is a constant, the 0.052, you can either you know calculate pressure, mud weight, you know, and everything. So just understand that, play with it, something that's important. Uh, and, and I'm going to go out and state the obvious, you know, mud engineering dummy was 101, is it's t- true vertical depth. Uh, I've seen folks accidentally use measure depth and that can be a problem. So always yes. make sure you understand the difference between true vertical depth and measured depth. Um, if you don't Google it, but one is always going to be greater than the other. And I'll let the audience, uh, take the pop quiz on that one. So <laughs> anyways, uh, you'd mentioned mud caps, Matt, and I just wanted to kind of briefly ex- describe what a mud cap is, is, you know, when you're drilling away and, um, the, you know, you, you need to apply more density down hole, uh, to come and, and make a trip out of the hole. So you can, uh, so you have, so you're well static, so you have good well control. Well, instead of increasing the density of the whole drilling fluid system, you can spot basically pump a, uh, high, a very high density, uh, small volume concentration. So I'll just, you, you know, if you're full circulating volume, let's say it's 1500 barrels, you may spot uh, 40 barrels of, of 15 pounds, uh, up in the vertical section. And so that basically acts as like a heavy weighted, uh, you know, uh, pill to then apply the right amount of pressure. That way you're not spending all that money to increase the density of the whole drilling fluid system while, uh, making sure while, while ensuring you have the right amount of hydrostatic applied to the bottom of the well. So you don't take a kick or, you know, have any influx, but, uh, that kind of brings it uh, into our next topic is just is weighting up or increasing the density of a fluid. Um, that's one that I, I'll be honest with you, I forget the, 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 the formula off the top of my head. Um, but it's one that as a mud engineer on the rig, you're constantly calculating it, whether it's for sweeps, slugs, uh, just increasing density of, of the fluid. If you know, if the, the whole system needs to be increased, but, uh, Matt, you know, any other, you know, again, what, from your perspective, uh, you always have a good way of putting things, uh, out there. So what, you know, what, how important is that? And, and why from a mud engineer's perspective, why do we need to know these types of calculations? 
I think waiting up, you know, it's, it's so basic as far as, am I going to wait up the whole system and, oh shoot, maybe I need to, maybe I need to get more Bayright out here. Um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe it's just one of those, okay, I'm waiting up a couple of points. I need to be able to tell the Derek hand, you know, here's how many sacks of, of Bayright to add. But then, you know, it can get even more complicated than that when you want to maintain a certain oil water ratio or, um, you know, there's, there's a pretty big difference between waiting up a couple of points and waiting up a couple of pounds. And a lot of times you're waiting up a couple of pounds. It's a big rush. Um, you need to slow down and, and do the math. Um, and usually there's a pretty good reason for why they've come to that mud weight. Uh, so I, I, the other thing I would add is there's a lot of, you know, little reference tables uh, for these equations, which are great. But make sure some of them are older and use 4.2 Bayrite. Um, check uh, this. Great point. Of the Bayrite, uh, because you know API accepts 4.1 now. I mean, they have for a while, but a lot of these tables have been around for a long time. They look really you know, convenient. Most people hold on to them. Um, you know, I've seen even you know non-API Bayrite lighter than that, and so uh, that's just uh, I would say an important heads up is when you're doing this math. Those reference things can be helpful. Just make sure that they are correct. The material you have on location. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Something that'll keep us out of trouble and uh, always, always be thinking uh, about, you know, bearite, increasing density, communicating with the rig, especially the company man. Uh, it's just all, all very important stuff. Uh, last but not least, Matt, um, product concentrations. Uh, go ahead and describe it, Matt. You, you just have such a way with words, buddy. Oh my! Well, flatter <laughs> me a little more. Uh, <laughs> So with my with my deep rich voice that I've found, um, I will tell you that these concentration levels. You know, the trick is a lot of it's the mathematical conversions uh, that that get a lot of people. Uh, we use emulsifiers in gallons, but uh, so it's how many gallons per barrel. Or a lot of times when we're formulating, we use pounds per barrel, and we need to we need to find the specific gravity of the material converted to pounds per barrel relative to you know the volume that is. Um, and then, you know, you know, pounds per barrel is, is generally pretty easy when we're just talking about, hey, throw in this many sacks, you know, your circulating volume. Uh, that's, that's basic stuff um, that, you know, hopefully you have a handle on. Um, but there's also when someone says a percentage, which a lot of laboratory folks will try and give people the field, you know, add, you know, two weight percent of this and it's a head scratcher. Uh, yeah. Same thing, you know. Are we talking about volume percent? So I think the math is pretty straightforward. The translation can be dangerous. Hmm. Interesting. So, I mean, I certainly don't come from the lab background, but I have heard someone mention weight percent. Is that the same as pounds per barrel, or is it is it something different? Especially if you're talking about dry product. Like, can you help kind of clear the air on that one, or? So it's the weight percent relative to the weight usually, but there can also be weight percent by volume. There can be, a, but typically oh, okay. when someone says weight percent, it's it's a percentage of the overall weight. Which when you're talking about you know a nine pound mud, or you're normally not making that conversion, right? You're, you're not like, oh wait, what's my mud weight? Therefore, I'm adding this much. Um, gotcha. Or you know, the flip side of that is you know the the weight percent of the chemical, um, you know relative to its dilution it just gets it gets very confusing and i've actually had to sit down with lab folks 
like when I've gotten confused and said, look, let's make sure this is in oil field units because when this goes out to the customer, um, I don't want any confusion and I'm not really <laughs> yeah. confident myself. Uh, so, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, there's the, it, it, but if you get those numbers, make sure everybody understands. And, and that's one I would kick back to the lab. I would, I would do the math and I would kick back to them and say, so you're saying this many pounds per barrel, you're saying this many gallons, help me out here. I don't want to over treat or under treat or, or, you know, do anything by mistake. Um, but I, I think on the concentration side of things there, you can try and walk yourself through the math. Um, you know, I, I think back, you know, when we were talking about parts per million versus milligrams per liter, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, um, the problem is when you get heavier, uh, those, those things become pretty far apart, uh, you know, under at very, very low concentrations, they're somewhat similar in value. Um, so just, uh, I think, I think more than anything, this is a great placeholder for if you're confused, ask and be careful. Most definitely. Uh, yeah, I really can't, you know, touch on more with the oil concentration stuff, but it's, it's something that as mud engineers, we're constantly using it for different treatment levels. You know, if you're looking at your <clears throat> mud check and, and you have to increase or, you know, decrease something, uh, there's typically, you know, if you look at your product data sheet, it'll have a suggested concentrations and depending on, you know, where your properties are, you can start on the low end and, or the high end, just depending on what you're doing. But, uh, it's something that, you know, you, you figure up, you know, pounds for pounds per barrel, you can make that equivalent into pounds, which then you can figure up however many sacks. And, you know, when it comes back to circulating times, you can say, okay, if I want this treatment and two circulations, how fast do I need to add the sack? And I mean, you can get as granular as you want, but, but it's something that, that I think that one, I don't think anyone needs a spreadsheet. You can pretty much punch it in and most people do. Um, but, uh, again, it's something that's real common. Um, you know, the whole drilling fluids engineering, I think we've touched on most of the math stuff that that we do on a day-to-day basis. I'm sure everyone out there is going to say, well, you forgot about this and forgot about that. And I think if I went back through every tally book I had calculations on and every spreadsheet, we'd probably be sitting here for 12 hours just talking about different calculations that we've run in the past. But I think we've hit on all the, the most, I'd say the most important, but the more common ones. Uh, and yeah, just encourage all the drilling fluid engineers out there or whoever you know is interested in this stuff just to get a good understanding of of you know just ask yourself why why is this important why do i use this how does the math work uh and just you know continue to to get more knowledgeable with it and make yourself more valuable to the people you're working around or working for so uh matt you got any closing last words with regards to the engineering side of things yeah well you actually jogged my memory on some concentration stuff so okay uh pro tip looking at product bulletins if it says, you know, it gives you a range and you are approaching the maximum and have not gotten the chemical response you were hoping for, mm. call someone. Ah, great point. Great um, point. There's a, you know, I've, I've definitely had this where, you know, it says put, you know, between one and five pounds per barrel of product and it, it yields with shear. So it needs to go through a couple of circulations before you see it. And uh, we get a call that nothing's happened and we've added seven pounds per barrel. Um, those are not enjoyable conversations. Uh, you know, the other thing, when I worked overseas, this was, a, I think it's true anywhere, but um, there's a difference when you're telling somebody to add a sack, uh, you know, when you're working out concentrations, normally you translate Derek hand and sacks. And, uh, you know, when you say add 10 sacks an hour, uh, some folks will dump in 10 sacks and go on a break. Others will, you know, kind of cut one open and every five or six minutes come check. Uh, mm-hmm. Explaining that, you know, that there is a difference. Um, <laughs> 
so those were those are just a couple of things that came to mind but um uh otherwise i mean i think that's about all i've got i don't know if the audience is able to enjoy the i, I don't know what the proper term is it, I, I always call it tejano music and then i get self-conscious that you know i don't know if it's actually <laughs> texas latin music but yeah um, the uh the lovely accordion and tuba background that you may or may not be able to hear uh the, the guys have cranked it up on that on the house next door so nice uh, it's a great I, great closing sound yeah i i unfortunately i cannot hear it but uh you know that that's great and, and hope maybe the listeners can i don't know depending on <laughs> how loud they have this but uh no it's you know again just kind of circling back to the whole working from home and, and getting on the mic matt i certainly appreciate your time and i uh, wish you and the rest of the listeners uh nothing but health and happiness through these times uh you know just just stay strong for for your families and um you know again i'm not going to sit here and be poly positive but uh you know just uh I, I just hope everyone's doing well um and uh you know with that being said matt i hope you are too and and uh, extremely blessed to be part of the AES family. And I just hope that uh, us, along with all the other oil field service companies and everyone in our industry continues to push forward and come out of this, uh, out, of, out on the other end, just uh, stronger than we are now. So that's about it for me, buddy. Yeah, well, I can't say it any better. Um, man, uh, you know, there's just, I think there's a lot on everybody's minds now. And, uh, um, you know, I, I think um, I, I just send everybody my best wishes. I, I think Justin, you know, your words are, I'll, I'll just repeat, echo what you said. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a time lately to kind of realize what brings me joy is looking at my son's face and spending time with my wife and, um, you know, kind of, it's a, it's an opportunity to be reminded of what's important. Um, and at the same time, it's, it's, there's just a lot of other people to think about too. So, um, hopefully we can find ways to encourage one another and, and, uh, you know, support one another. Most but, definitely. Uh, yeah. Take care, everybody. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, hit us up at the Flowline Podcast, aesfluids.com, or hit us up on LinkedIn. Appreciate all the support. Until next time, Matt, take care, buddy. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Flowline. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.